You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Although something terrible had just happened in Joseph's life, it was for the benefit of Israel, for all of God's people, taking again a look at the bigger picture. And that's, you know, sometimes the problem that we face, right? We can't see the end from the beginning. You know, we don't have the capacities that God has to be able to look down the road and around the corner. We only see what's going on before us. But you know, with God, the Bible in fact tells us that we spend our days as a tale that's been told. And God knows exactly what he's doing. When you're in the middle of a difficult time, is it hard to see much more than a few moments in front of you? It can be so overwhelming and suffocating when these times come, but God wants to encourage you today to look up and to see him. It may seem almost impossible, but he is using this difficult time in your life to benefit you to grow you into the person he wants you to be. Today in his message, Pastor Mike reminds you to keep on going, to trust that God has a purpose and a plan for you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 39 as he begins his message, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis in chapter 39. And the text that we're going to be treating this morning is found in verses 13 through 20. So Genesis chapter 39, verses 13 through 20. And this morning's message, the title is, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And of course, we're thinking about Joseph. Man, what a classical example of this, right? It was someone who was so innocent and faithful to God and yet had to deal with this terrible situation that we're going to be introduced to here in our text. So let's go ahead and read that text of Scripture, and then we'll ask God's blessing on the remainder of our time together this morning as we study uh, the Word. So Genesis chapter 39, uh, beginning in verse 13. And again, this is where we left off last time. And so it was when she, that is Potiphar's wife, saw that he, Joseph, had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice, suggesting that Joseph sought to rape Potiphar's wife. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he had left his garment with me and fled and went outside. 
And so she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him, that is her husband, with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. And so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. And so it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master, Potiphar, took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. Father, we pray now that you'd bless the remainder of our time together this morning as we study your word, as we treat this text of scripture. And I'm sure in our own life's experience, have had to wrestle with the same question as did Joseph when bad things happen to good people. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help to answer those questions for us this morning. Lord, that we'd see the bigger picture. Lord, that we would come to realize that we've given our life to Christ. Lord, not to make any mistakes about the fact that you've taken control over our lives. And there's nothing going on in our lives without design, without you working behind the scenes, pulling the strings, pushing the buttons. So Lord, help us to realize that and then just have confidence in that fact and just rest in that fact as well. And so, Lord, we pray now that the Holy Spirit, who is the great teacher, would be here in a very real way, powerful way. Lord, that this message would be relevant. Lord, that it speak to each and every one of us. Lord, in our needs, God, we thank you. And now, Father, let my words be your words, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, when bad things happen to good people, or I could phrase it as I've already suggested, our title another way, Why do the right thing when bad things happen to good people? Have you ever asked yourself that question? You know, why am I making these sacrifices to serve the Lord? Why am I denying myself? And it doesn't seem like there's any benefit from it. I'm not the beneficiary, you know, of having a relationship with God, or at least it seems that way, right? Have you ever been in that place before? You know, things aren't working out the way that you hoped they would work out. You've been praying for this, that, and the other thing. Oh, Lord, please do this, do that, lead me here, provide for that need. And it seems as if those prayers of yours are falling upon deaf ears. And you begin to ask yourself the question, does it really pay to serve God? Well, anyway, considering Joseph, think about this. This was a terrible plight for an innocent man. The details are absent here from our text. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the particulars are actually given to us in the 105th Psalm in verses 17 and 18. Let me set this up for you. In the 105th Psalm, the psalmist is rehearsing for us what God has done for Israel. That is going before them, preserving them, protecting them. And with that said, he reminds us then of Joseph in the 105th Psalm. And he sees the bigger picture. He sees it as a part of God's design. Although something terrible had just happened in Joseph's life, It was for the benefit of Israel, for all of God's people, taking again a look at the bigger picture. And that's, you know, sometimes the problem that we face, right? We can't see the end from the beginning. You know, we don't have the capacities that God has to be able to look down the road and around the corner. We only see what's going on before us. But, you know, with God, the Bible, in fact, tells us that we spend our days as a tale that's been told. And God knows exactly what he's doing. 
And remember, as I mentioned before in, in my opening statement, we've given our lives to Christ. Isn't that a part of our conversion experience? Make no mistake about that. God does take control of our lives. And whatever's going on in your life, it's for good. And it's for blessing. And you can be sure of that. To bring us, as the scripture tells us, to a desired end. But nevertheless, let's consider that 105th Psalm in verses 17 and 18. Kind of gives us some insight into what Joseph was experiencing there in that prison. He sent a man before them, that is before Israel, Joseph. And we're going to see how that, you know, through... Joseph's experience during the time of grave famine in the land, Joseph's members of his family, the 12 sons, his dad Jacob, his wife, were sustained during that time. It was all a part of God's plan. It was all a part of God's design. Yes, it was an unusual series of circumstances, but nevertheless, that's the kind of business at time that God is in. So anyway, he sent God, look at that, he, capital H, he sent a man before them, Israel, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. And if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, we've gone into all of the sordid details of how that whole thing played out, the sibling rivalry and the uh, caravan of Ishmaelites that were heading down to Egypt to trade their goods. And rather than killing their brother Joseph because of the sibling rivalry, because of the coat of many colors, because of the envy, because of the fact that coat of many colors represented that he was his dad's favorite, that is Jacob's favorite, and therefore he stood in line to inherit all of his father's wealth, right? So they threw him in a pit, remember? And rather than killing him, that was their original intent, they sold him into slavery. So now he's down in Egypt, he's placed on the slave block, he's sold to a fellow who we were already introduced to, Potiphar, and then last week we were also introduced to Potiphar's wife, who continually, daily, sought to seduce him. And how did Joseph, you know, day after day after day, think about it, he was just in his early 20s, he was at the height of his sexual maturity. You know, that plays heavily upon any young person. So how was he able to overcome the advances of Potiphar's wife? Well, that's what we talked about uh, last time together. So if you weren't here, definitely go back to our website and listen to that message. I believe that it will really help and encourage you. But anyway, he sent a man before them who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. Now, this is a reference to him being thrown into the king's prison. He was laid in irons. So basically what is being described for us there in those two verses of Scripture, 155th Psalm, Joseph was bound both by neck and ankles as he awaited either an eventual execution or a slow physical deterioration because of his imprisonment. He didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. But I think the worst part of his experience, the most torturous for Joseph, was the knowledge that he was absolutely innocent. He always sought to do the right thing, to obey God. What he is going through should be just the opposite of what he received from Potiphar's hand. I mean, think about it. He should have been honored by Potiphar. He should have been held in high esteem. But now, unfortunately, just the opposite is true. And because of his just commitment to God, he finds himself in prison. Now, let me throw this into the mix. I suspect Potiphar knew of his wife's infidelities. 
Probably, this was probably not the first time she tried to seduce someone. I mean, she was so shameless. She was so direct, so persistent. And she made her advances openly before the others in her household. And folks, you can be sure that the word got around. This is a loose woman. But you know, they have to keep up pretenses. That is Potiphar and his wife. I mean, Potiphar, remember, is now in a high position, sort of like a cabinet position, equal to a cabinet position in, in our United States government, to the president. And Potiphar cannot afford a scandal. And so they have to maintain some kind of normalcy of life. But I bet you, and, and you know, we're not told, and I, I am reading into the text here, but this is my own personal conclusion here, I bet he knew all about his wife's sexual appetites. And true, notice in verse 19, we are told that Potiphar burned with anger, but that should raise the question in our mind, why did Potiphar burn in anger? Was it because that he was betrayed by Joseph and Joseph seeking to seduce his wife? I don't think so. I think it was rather because this whole episode had become public and now had become an embarrassment for him. And listen, throw this also into the mix. If he would have believed his wife's story, that is that Joseph tried to rape her, Joseph would have been killed immediately. But he wasn't. It says, then Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in that prison. So the penalty back then, especially someone of a high-ranking official, if someone tried something like that to a member of their family, they would be immediately put to death. But that wasn't the case. Potiphar didn't choose to do that. Potiphar actually knew everything about this woman's appetite, his wife's appetite, and that, in fact, Joseph was an innocent party. Let's try to enter into Joseph's understanding. That is, what was Joseph thinking? Put yourself for a moment in Joseph's shoes. You know, maybe you've gone through a similar situation, certainly not equal to Joseph's, but nevertheless, you know, you've, all, you've tried to do the right thing, and it seems like you're now paying the consequences of, of making that choice in seeking to do the right thing. And you're asking yourself the question, does it really pay to serve God? So what was Joseph thinking? Do you think Joseph was concerned about the quality or the condition of the prison that he had been placed in? No. Probably thinking, rather, hey, I'm not supposed to be here. Why in the world am I here? He's thinking Potiphar knows about his wife's appetites. I mean, everybody knows about her. So why this great injustice falling upon me? But you know what? There's something more than that here, more vexing upon Joseph's soul. And that is the question, why this great injustice that has come from God? I mean, Joseph knew that he was working for God in that place in Potiphar's home. He knew that he was working for God. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And that would, of course, include our places of employment, the work that we've been given, the work that we've been hired to do. We do it as unto the Lord. The truth of the matter is, is that 
He's the one that we are obliged to. He is the one who, haven't you prayed the prayer? How many of you, you know, were at your places of employment? Think about it now. Have prayed, oh God, please, Lord, you know, give me that job. Lord, I'm up for a promotion or whatever. Lord, give me that new position. Give me that job. You're, you found yourself out of work for a while, and you've been praying, oh, God, God, you know, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to take care of my kids' tuition? How am I going to pay my rent, the mortgage, whatever? You've been praying, oh, God, please, I've interviewed for this job. Give me this job. And then you get the job. And then, you know, well, who gave you the job in the first place? Was it because you were just wonderful in your interview? Well, maybe. I bet you God was behind it. Remember, make no mistake, you've given your life to Christ. He takes control of that life. Whatever's going on is according to design, right? And I honestly believe that. I guess I'm just foolish enough to believe that. Because, you know what? I've seen it time and time again. I'm getting up in years, and I have this track record walking with God. And I can't explain the things that have happened in the 70 years of my life without almost 70 years. I'm 69. Of the last 70 years, I'm just rounding out the number. I could have lied and said 60, but without putting God behind them. Really? You know, isn't that the truth? I bet you you could say the same about your own personal life's experience. How do you explain your job, your work situation, your family, meeting your husband, your wife, your kids, the blessings, the, you know, the things that have happened, transpired, uh, promotions and blessings and provision, and, you know, without God without putting God behind them, right? And so anyway, Joseph completely subscribed to the teaching of Paul that's recorded for us in that portion of Scripture in the book of Colossians. He understood that he realized that he was actually working for and serving God. As a slave, I was serving God, doing the right thing by my master. What did that get me? They threw me into prison. They threw me into pit. Then they threw me into the prison. What a bummer, man, right? Is there a God? He's probably thinking. Why should lies about me be believed? Why do bad things happen to good people? And he was like any of us, flesh and blood. You know, how many times have we had these lapses of faith when things aren't working out the way that we hoped they would work? And we start asking, where's God in all? How do we reconcile our situations, our circumstances, the darkness of those situations with a God who's supposed to supremely love us. And I don't care if you're a new Christian or the senior pastor of the church. When you get hit low and life throws a curve at you, we're all subject to asking those kinds of questions. Let's be honest about it, right? We all have these lapses of faith. The greatest saints in the Bible had these lapses of faith. And so do we. There were things going on in Joseph's mind, things he knew enabled him to answer those questions that helped him to get the victory and got him through those difficult experiences. And so what were they? And that's the focus of this morning's message. He might be able to secure help as well in times of trouble. There are three things that helped Joseph to get through this extremely difficult time to help him answer those questions. The first of which is, Joseph knew that he was being slandered for righteousness' sake, rather than for any evil that he had done. And gang, let me tell you something, that makes all the difference in the world. You see, think about it. Those who follow Jesus, who live like him, 
And aren't we supposed to, if we claim to be following Jesus, following his footsteps, aren't we supposed to live like he lived? Right? He's our example. I'm not your example. God help you. I try to be a good example to the congregation. Seek to live like Jesus. And thus we can be happy in persecutions because it reveals you are truly a follower of his. So come with me. You know, you're trying to do the right thing. You're reading the word. You're studying the word. You're faced with the situation. You appeal to the word and how you're supposed to respond in that particular situation. Okay, and listen, there'll never be anything that you go through in your life's experience that God's word doesn't address itself to. So if you're ever standing at a crossroads, you need to make a choice or a decision, one of those gray areas or stuff, just go through the Bible. Get a good Bible concordance or by topic, a topical Bible. You can be sure that you'll find a bunch of different verses of script that address your particular situation. And then move forward. Pray first. And then, you know, after you believe that you have God's wisdom and God's counsel, then you move forward. And, you know, and then come with me, right? You know that you're doing the right thing. You know that you're allowing God to be a part of the equation. And you can be sure that, you know, you've moved into the center of God's will for your life and you're going to be blessed. And, and come what may. If others don't like it, if people respond by being antagonistic towards the choices that you made or whatever, hey, just praise the Lord. Just know that you are doing everything that you can possibly do to just simply please God and do what God wants you to do. And then if suffering or persecution should come, it just think about it. You can be happy. I'm not, believe me, I'm not one that, you know, for, the, for righteousness sake, I get persecuted. I'm walking around saying, oh, I'm so glad I'm being persecuted. That would be stupid. But at least, you know, you're being persecuted for righteousness, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, that portion of Scripture in Matthew's Gospel, known as the Sermon on the Mount, Christ's Great Manifesto, in Matthew chapter 5, in verses 10 through 12, you know, some Christians are just obnoxious, you know? And they draw the persecution upon themselves because of the fact that they're just obnoxious and they're hard and difficult to be around. So be careful about that. Persecuted for righteousness' sake, you can be happy about that. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed or oh how happy are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. We're riding with the king. There was a song, there was an album, Riding with the King, B.B. King. It was Eric Clapton, right? Eric Clapton and B.B. King. Well, we're not riding with B.B. King. We're actually riding with the King of Kings, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father's house, there's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my You've been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, 
including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than In My Father's House with you.